Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, podcasters. This is the Manchester Football Social Podcast. Thank you very much for downloading it. Me, Steve and Dave are going to have a chat about football in a minute. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. But before we do that, let me tell you to make sure you have subscribed to the right podcast feeds. If you listen to our Man City show or our Manchester United show on this podcast feed from this week, you won't be able to get it on this channel anymore. You need to download the City or the United channels. Just search Manchester City Football Social or Manchester United Football Social wherever you find your podcasts and you'll be able to hit subscribe to that and get your City and United shows without accidentally getting a City (laughs) or United show, if you get what I mean. Do that and here's today's show. Manchester Football Social. This is the Manchester Football Social, the voice of fans and those fans are you so make sure you have your say tonight on the latest City and United news and the games at the weekend give us a call 0345 treble 1 7625 that is the phone number 0345 treble 1 7625 if you don't want to call you can always text as well 87711 is the text number to get in touch I'm Jim and we're going to talk about the big story in football from the last 24 hours very soon Raheem Sterling and the alleged racist abuse he received from Chelsea fans this weekend and maybe the big debating point that comes from all this if the media and newspapers have a role to play in that abuse that apparently is thrown at young black players in the Premier League. 0345 is the number to call. Tonight we've got Stephen McInerney for the Blues and for the Reds we've got Statman Dave, a.k.a. Dave O'Brien. Evening, boys. Hello, Jim. How are you? I'm very good. Very good after the weekend's football and we've got a bit of a role reversal today, I guess. For once, we're talking about a Manchester United win... <laughs> And a Man City loss. Could we have this every single weekend? That would be <laughs> I don't absolutely think so, no. fantastic. <laughs> it is again, isn't it? <laughs> That'd be good. Man United started off uh, very well against Fulham and it was surprising to see the, the work in midfield, the, the pressing. And it was just a bit of a, you know, you watch some games in football and you think, I'm happy today. Like this mm. has made, this put me in a really good mood. Uh, you know, a good display. You're looking at the f- performances of Lingard, Rashford again, Lukaku, Mata. And I think it's been pushed under the radar a bit. This is kind of like a real big improvement of what we've seen from Manchester United and Mourinho. Yeah. Because of obviously the, the Chelsea result. Chelsea, you know, picking up a really important win. I couldn't see that coming at all. 
Like, it was a weird display from Chelsea, not what you expect from Sarri. And I think that may have caught Guardiola out a little bit with the, the fact that he kind of sat a little bit deep and they defended. Were good. They deserved it. I mean, in my opinion. I mean, I say they deserved it. We should have probably been in front of the first half, but their defensive display in the second half, it was just... It was a job on us, and it was good and fair play. My objective view of both these games for United and City was I looked at the City game and I only watched the highlights of both so I know you don't get a fair view of a game from the highlights but it looked to me you looked at City and City played the game that they always play they had the same possession yeah. they made the chances Chelsea didn't score well, to the first shot on target <laughs> so City seemed to play the game they always play but it just didn't seem to work this time it's been coming to be honest I mean ask a lot of City fans and they probably say the same thing in terms of the performances against uh, Leon Bournemouth um, and other games around that in the past few uh, weeks we've seen to be kind of slowly dipping to our level we haven't been mm. at our most glorious best um, and I put it down to a few things uh, maybe the down to like mental tiredness and physical tiredness as well with players dropping off of injuries and sometimes you just have to have this kind of game to get it out of your system I guess I'm not saying I was happy with the performance obviously because it's just one of those things but I can't really like criticism for a lack of effort or anything like yeah. that because I thought they did pretty well especially in the first half when we as I said we could have been in front of a couple of golden chances with Sterling and Sarni in particular uh, after that we, we just lost out to a team that had a better game plan us on the day so it's just you know life I don't even think it was a, as a game plan I think Chelsea just defended really well and City the thing that I found interesting they expect Pep Guardiola to make the right calls I thought he made some terrible substitutions taking Leroy Sane off when there's no width on the left hand side when he was providing that really well in the first half is there a fracture there like is there a fracture between those players because you look at the goal Sane doesn't track uh, Kante from midfield he has to track him should be tracking him you don't concede that goal in the transition if he's goal side in the right position and it's this weird thing where he played for 8 minutes mean, in the so, second what half what do you mean by a fracture do you mean whether there's players on the outside so, of the Sane's an interesting one where at Schalke he had a bad attitude it's reported around that he had a really bad attitude that he thought he better, he was better than what he is that he's you know, looking as this player as you know, I, I can attack I don't need to defend and I think we've seen that from the weekend with his lack of ability and I think it's wrong from Guardiola to have taken him off mm. tactically I'd say in general Guardiola is not one to kind of shirk for making a point even if it's mid-game I guess but I think he's been very vocal and positive about Sarri in the past recent uh, past uh, couple of weeks because he's in fact a couple of games ago he was tracking back phenomenally he had one of his best games of the season uh, but then that kind of stuff about not tracking his runner won't go unnoticed and Pep if he sees that he will make a point I don't know if he was making a point of course I can't say that uh, with conviction but um, he didn't have his best game anyway in my personal opinion even though he was one of uh, I'd say it could have been him or Mares that went off but I guess uh, Mares has that ability to kind of just smack one in from the right so maybe he thought he'd leave Mares on because he can produce something out of nothing but uh, Sane he's, he's, it's weird one with Sane sometimes you know if he's on his game or not or he isn't he's just that kind of person you can tell within the first 10-15 minutes mm. and it wasn't his day in my opinion and certainly at the start of the season he had a few games that are off the boil but then seemed yeah. to find some form so I mean obviously that I mean, mean, it's interesting that form side so his goals this season have come against Fulham, Burnley Southampton, Watford and West Ham. His team's position 10th, 12th, 19th, 17th and 20th. He isn't doing it in these bigger games and for a player that's supposed to be hyped up as the next big thing, We've you need a little bit more because City have spent a lot of money on him. Guardiola yeah, is a manager that gets a lot out of these players and I thought that he was good but to take him off was a bit weird like similar to Sterling Sterling's been on fire this season he had a pretty good first half but then was anonymous like we've got to look at Eden Hazard Eden Hazard who had I think Edison in the first half had more touches than uh, yeah. Eden Hazard and then he came on two assists wins the game for them I think uh, Sterling is a little bit further down the line in terms of like um 
uh, I would say consistency than Sane. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that, but Sane uh, can be extremely brilliant or then a 7 or 6 out of 10. But that's, that's him and I don't worry about him in big games because there are plenty of games when he's done all right. And it was early in the season as well. And there's no shame against scoring against those teams because you have to play him at some point and you have to score. Mm. And he didn't start the first three or four games in the Premier League anyway as well. So the amount of games he could have been effective in big ones, it kind of dwindles a bit. But uh, Sane is an interesting one, but all I know he's a phenomenal player and I'm not going to hold him for a bad performance the other day. When we've seen this little dip and you mentioned last few games, maybe the level hasn't quite been there for City. Is yeah. it just that at the beginning of the season, it was unobtainable to keep that going for an entire season? Well, the way City were playing, the level they were playing at was never going to be sustainable for an entire well, season. No form is sustainable, is it really? So it's one of those things eventually it's going to have to slow down and it is always around December. You start making changes to personnel because we've got uh, 10 games in 30 days in December. I know everyone's in the same boat, uh, especially the big teams in the European competitions. Uh, but eventually there was going to be some kind of drop-off in performances. Of, and then we started to see people like uh, Noel Aguero and we maybe missed his kind of leadership in a game like this in terms of his just seniority, I guess. Mm. Uh, and then I guess we could have done with De Bruyne back by now. I know we're very blessed to have a very strong squad, but eventually players do get tired. And um, there's a lot of kind of uh, pressure, I guess, um, that comes with being the one kind of running the way. And fair play to Liverpool for chasing us. But I was expecting us to lose at some point. Uh, probably not against Chelsea, for being honest. I felt quite confident, but it was going to happen at some point. I don't suspect that we won't. I think we will bounce back well. But um, I put it down to just the Premier League being the Premier League. It's physical, it's tiring, and teams are, you know, it's not as quite as a, a walk, walk in the park as people suggest. Again, it I can't think that you can't just cover it up as it's just another team in the Premier League because, again, like I mentioned last week, you had 61% possession, you'd created nothing in that second half. Oh, first, yeah, half you, first half, you were good, but that lack of ability to, to kick on and you were dominant. You were so dominant in that first half. Yeah, we totally Completely were. outplayed them and for, to have that lack of drive, it's weird to see a Guardiola it's, team have that lack of in the second half where he yeah, usually makes he didn't it. didn't have the answers, I agree with that. Which yeah, is, that happens, is strange. It happens, but then no one's perfect and it has been coming because uh, as I said, most City fans would say that our form has been dropping off a little bit mm. um, and it eventually got too much and once we went behind, um, we probably just needed some answers that we didn't really have uh, and then obviously David Silva picked up a little bit of a knock and then Bernardo's run his house to the ground a little bit and sometimes people just kind of look around at each other and maybe they're looking at someone like a De Bruyne uh, or an Aguero and you think of last season away at uh, Chelsea, it was actually the Bruyne stepped up and rocketed in when we won 1-0 in the 75th minute that was a tight game it's around 75th something like that um, and we didn't really have that we didn't have the um, uh, I guess the, the talisman the game the talisman, changer yeah. that and kind of character again a player that scored this weekend that won the derby for Dortmund was Jaden Sancho oh, that God, could have made a big impact Dave. in this game I miss oh. him. and, and that, is, that is the thing where you're looking at your decisions over the summer and you've signed Riyad Mahrez and you've let Sancho go who is just doing so well for Year Dortmund and a half ago now but yeah I, I, I'm a big um yeah, I, don't, I agree we should have done more to keep him, but I'm quite a big supporter of the academy because I just think football's mm. better with you players breaking through, uh, which leads on to Foden, by the way, signing a new contract. Um, has it been confirmed yet, officially? I think yeah, it's, it's um, been a confirmed for, uh, contract to keep at the club till 2024, 30 grand a week there. Before we get on to that, though, I'm going to talk to Kerry, who is a Chelsea fan. I thought we'd get the opposition here. She's host of the Chels podcast, the Chelsea fan podcast. Evening, Kerry. Good evening. How are you doing? Are you okay? How was the game for you? Was it? Do you, were you expecting a sorry win, a ma- masterclass? Oh, obviously, you know, I, I thought there was going to be no doubt about it, but uh, no, not at all. I'm, I'm much happier to be talking to you tonight than on Friday when we were going to try and talk to each other. Because I, I think you'd have had a very different me on Friday. Um, and no, it, it was 
it was a complete surprise the the result especially after we'd lost to Wolves last week um, and you know you start worrying about how we're going to play against City um, and it was it was an extraordinary game to be at the atmosphere was fantastic uh, City would just so in charge for 44 minutes and then never seemed to recover after we got that goal against the run of play yeah you were written off pretty much after the Wolves game did it feel like this was a game that you needed to get a reaction from from a Chelsea point of view because I remember after the Wolves game I was reading people going ah oh, they're never even going to finish in the top four that's it for Chelsea sorry he's a busted flush he's never going to do anything <laughs> and it, you got the instant reaction that you needed yeah, I mean, that, that's what you're looking for is, is some kind of a reaction straight after a, a bad result. And I think that's what happens with most of the top sides, isn't it? That they go down, lose a game, you see what, why they are the top sides. And I'm, I'm sure City will bounce back after the next game. But we do live in this age where everything is a knee-jerk reaction and everything is in total disarray as soon as we lose <laughs> a game. And it's Sack Pep, in my opinion. Frightening. Sorry? Sack Pep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm that's joking. obvious. I mean, we should have sacked Sarri on Wednesday and <laughs> should have gone on Saturday. So, you know, that, that's how it works now. We had David Luiz coming out after the game and he paid City a massive compliment and he said that we've just beaten the best team in the world right now but then in the same sentence said it's going to hurt their title chances. When you watch City at the weekend, I mean, I'm sure you've seen them before at Stamford Bridge under this Pep Guardiola regime, did they look like they were still, even though they came away with a loss, did they look in that first half like the best team in the world? It's always hard to say best team in the world, but certainly one of the best teams around there. There's no doubt that we were playing against a very classy City side that really pings the ball around well. I mean, I haven't seen a team press us in the way that they did. That actually, the, the furthest back player for City in the first half was five yards inside our half. I mean, we were pressed so high, and it really was, you know, battening down the hatches and having to stick to it. And, you know, there were a couple of chances which I think Sterling should have probably put one away. There's a great block from as Piliqueta, but we did restrict the amount of chances in the first half when, when City were totally dominant. But, you know, it, this, it, this was one of those games, it goes either way, and uh, Silver was not a very good thing for you, and without De Bruyne and things, you do realise when some of these big names disappear from the pitch, and you can't even get people like De Bruyne on because of what's happened to him injury-wise, that when you lose Silver, just every now and then, no matter how big a side you are, you will occasionally miss players. And it was one of those games where you needed someone to really come in and go, OK, I'll take over. And, and I think something happened. Yeah, and I think something happened to City after that first goal. I think it took them by surprise because it was such a fluid move that, that brought the goal about. Totally against the run of play. Classic time to score. And in the second half, just couldn't get going. Kerry, cheers for your call, mate. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for coming on. Okay. I appreciate that. And apologies for saying she at the beginning of that, because the eagle-eyed or eagle-eared listeners would have spotted you've got a very deep voice for a woman or you're a man. So <laughs> I've been working on it. Good work. <laughs> Kerry, cheers for that, mate. Thank you. If you want to get involved, 0345 7625 is the number. 87711 is the text number. Uh, just before we move on to United... 
has that hurt City's title chances? I thought City had this one wrapped up, but now suddenly, almost inexplicably, Liverpool have leaped and they've quietly been going about their business. Now they're top of the league. No, we didn't have it um, wrapped up, and um, I actually tweeted before the game saying we're under a bit of pressure here, to be honest, because because um, I think Liverpool fair play to them, they're just grinding out results, and it's far too early. Last season we were about ten points ahead at this point, and. Um, it's too early to be saying otherwise. I think, if anything, we need the Crosstown rivals to do us a bit of a favour mm. um, at the weekend. And to no, be honest, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and do you know what? You tend to do well against Liverpool, so I wouldn't be surprised. And then, I guess the game in a few game, uh, few weeks' time against Liverpool, the ITA is going to be really, really important. The part with that as well is if you look at the fixtures, so Liverpool play Arsenal yeah. three days before, then they play City. Got, that's a worry because City can rest in that game. Mm. And I think when you're looking at Liverpool, if... They're not in form, obviously, Salah this weekend, the fantastic hat-trick, but if they're not playing him, who's playing against Arsenal? Arsenal are in resurgence. They were, they're fantastic at the moment, playing some really good football. Yeah, they, they, they struggled against Huddersfield at the weekend. Huddersfield are quite a defensive side, <coughs> but they got over the line. Lucas Torres scoring a wonderful goal, but I think that will be a huge game for Jurgen Klopp's Arguably, Emery's already beaten him in, in one final mm. uh, in the Europa League. So it's one of these things where that's going to be the biggest part, and that will decide the title. Who wins that? Who you know comes ahead top of the league after those two fixtures? That's Very a bold big. claim. That'll decide the title. That, in it's, the so if you, again, if you look at it, it's over the Christmas period. They're playing like four games in like, na- yeah, like in a twelve day. Like it's yeah. it's really rammed. Wolves and Newcastle. I think Wolves away as well. Mm. So it's not. I think it's Wolves away. But I know they're playing Wolves, and it's like who beat Chelsea obviously recently, and we'll fancy the chance against Liverpool. So I think this next like five weeks is going to be really, really, really telling. I know it's easy to say that it's a big part of the season, but you know what I mean. Oh three four five triple one seventy six twenty five. If you want to get involved in tonight's show, eight double seven double one is the text number. We have got David online. He's a City fan. Evening, David. Hello. So what are you saying? Are you agreeing with Steve? He says a sack Pep Fraudiola. <laughs> <laughs> are, we, are we getting red? Uh, no. <laughs> was, was it just a blip at the weekend? Then it'll be business as normal when we get back to next week's games. I think so. I mean, if you look at the first half, we, we dominated the possession, the ball was moved quickly as it has been all season. Um, it was just the final ball, the final product, the final shot that wasn't was lacking through. Sometimes from poor decisions, sometimes from just not making a decision full stop. Um, and then you had to start, we, we missed Aguero, we missed Mendy, we missed De Bruyne. You had all three players in there, maybe that changes the result. But yeah, we, we can't be perfect every week. It can't be a coincidence, and I look at it and think, City have had this little slump, and in terms of a slump, it's a very minor one. You've lost one game and won the other two. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's all happened since Sergio Aguero has picked up his hamstring injury. That's a massive yeah. miss for City, and it happens every season. Sergio Aguero has this little rest mid-season where he picks up a little <laughs> injury here and there. So surely Pep needs to go into the transfer market in January and buy another striking option, even with all these goals coming from midfield and De Bruyne and Sterling and Sane all nipping in with goals. Surely he needs another striking option because it doesn't seem like Jesus has the ability to do that at the moment. Uh, and, 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 you know, every goal scorer goes through a period where everything they hit seems to hit a defender or the post or the keepers you know, pulled off a world. Um, Jesus is having that kind of, you know, spell at the moment. Even when he first came from Palmeiras, everything he, he hit at the back of the net. Um, I think he's maybe needs a couple of games where he comes off his shin or, you know, he, he has a, an open goal. A couple of those consecutively to get a bit of confidence running through him, even though he looks supremely confident in every game. If he can like he needs goals. And I think Pep has, you know, a little more confidence in Hazel. So, you know, Pep being Pep would have dipped in. Mm. Um, would you have started him in the game? Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. Did it feel like it needed a central focus point for that I, game? Would I that felt we should have started him, yeah. I think it 
did. I think, I think the main thing I think that, that confused Matt I think was was rotating Sterling and Mahrez. I think when Mahrez went up top, we lost all um, all the pace, all the penetration. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I thought I was fine down the wings. Um, Mahrez, as good as he is out wide, he doesn't have the he doesn't have, he doesn't have that skill set to play as a number nine or a false nine, however you want to phrase it. Um, whereas Sterling, you know, he, he has facets, facets to his game, to his pace, his movement, his awareness of, of space. I don't think Mahrez is he's really cut for that. I think once Mahrez went inside, that's when it coincided with Chelsea to get a bit more of a foothold in the game. David, cheers for coming on, mate. Appreciate that. Thank you for your time. No Thank you. Cheers, Jim. 0345 treble one seventy six twenty five. if you want to get involved. We're going to talk about Manchester United's win against Fulham in a minute. Was it a good United performance? Was it just a very, very, very bad Fulham performance? <laughs> I think it might have been the latter. Just one more issue on City before we go on that. You might have heard that there was some leaked footage from the TV coverage of Rio Ferdinand talking about the performance of Kyle Walker during the Manchester City game. I'll play you the clip now. So this wasn't broadcast footage. This was footage that was somehow leaked. I don't quite know what that means when they say it was leaked. <laughs> but it, I don't know. But it appeared on social media anyway. So this is Rio Ferdinand and the rest of the TV coverage team and their appraisal of Kyle Walker for City. Here he goes, look. Oh, he's done him as well. Carl Walker, look. Carl Walker, Walker sleeping. Carl yeah. Walker. Yeah. That's his British press, Carl Walker. That's why England are going to, if he plays, it'll always be a life yeah, in yeah, the yeah, top yeah, level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not saying that, though, because his mate comes to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Like everyone talks about this Man City team's perfect. It's not perfect. They give they give you that. You know what I mean? They'll give you that quick attack. Because Carl you Walker's playing as a winger. You always know you're going to get an opportunity against yeah. them, but you've got a clinical like they've been today. Yeah. So pretty damning of Rio Ferdinand. It said in the paper that he slammed him. I'm not sure he slammed him. He just criticised him a little bit. But is that a weak link in Manchester City's team, Carl Walker? Because he is an attacking player. But on the other hand... He needs to be an attacking player if you're going to get the type of football that you want to see and Pep wants at City. But the, the big issue is tactically at the start of the season they were set up as a, as a three where Mendy would be the attacker. That worked really well. Mendy was yeah. on fire start of the season and because of his injury that's the issue. The issue isn't on the right-hand side it's on the left-hand side. I agree what the, with some of the things they're saying but then I disagree with He's a very good defender. I think they're, they're yeah. criticising him overly for the goal that Chelsea mm. scored. Chelsea scored a very direct goal. They moved it from one side to the other. If you're a team that presses, you play over the press, you're at the back centre-halves. Yes, they didn't react very well, but it was a very good individual goal. That I'd, I'd be, again, going back to it, Leroy Sano was the guy that I'd fault the most out of that move, not Carl Walker. But I think as well, Carl Walker used to be a marauding fullback that hit the final third. Yeah. Pep's turned him into a ball player. Yeah, he doesn't do I don't that think that, yeah, I don't think that's a problem. And I, again, you can't blame something that happens within a system. If you press, you can get caught out in that way. I feel it's more of a team thing than an individual like Carl Walker. And I, I, yeah, I'm not exactly sure who leaked that footage, but it's strange, <laughs> isn't it? That one is interesting. Yeah. Well, I know. See, why hasn't he got the balls to say that on air? Just say it. Like, they're all yeah. so polite, aren't they? And cushy. But I, I can't really. Um, he's, he's entitled to his opinion. I don't think he was overly, overly critical. He just thought. I think it's a bit harsh. To yeah. say that England will never be a successful team because of Carl Walker. <laughs> hey, they went further than Ferdinand ever did in the tournament, didn't they? Very true. Yeah, yeah but he's no Garen Eville, is he? Let's be honest with ourselves. Oh three four five triple one seventy six twenty five is the number. We can talk about the next Gary Len- uh, Gary Neville in a bit. The next United fullback for the next ten years, according to Jose Mourinho and his performance against Fulham. We'll do that next on the Manchester Football Social. Get involved with your say. Oh three. 345-111-7625 and we'll talk to you next. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. 
This is the Manchester Football Social. I'm Statman Dave. If you want to get involved with the show today, give us a call on 0345 7625. I'm joined again by Stephen McInerney and Jim from the radio. I think it's time to talk about Manchester United. We've had enough talk about Manchester City. A 4-1 win against the big dogs that are Fulham in the Premier League. I was very impressed with uh, some displays and I think from fullback Diogo Delo put in a really good shift, Stephen. Do you think that he could be the guy that could lead United, you know, in an attacking sense down that right wing? Um, I'm not going to pretend I've seen loads of him, <laughs> if you be honest with them. I don't tend no to watch one has. Of, uh, <laughs> Jose United. hasn't seen loads but, um, of them. He apparently played really well, didn't he? And, mm. and sometimes there's something to be said just of a bit of a youthful um, kind of zest in the team, you know, and a bit of energy and maybe someone who hasn't been burdened with all the kind of troubles the past few years and uh, that can be, you know, it can be a positive thing really I mean I didn't watch the game as a Manchester City I'm not going to lie but how, how did he play from your perspective no it was, it was absolute quality I think the big thing with United this season is their oh, it's, uh, for a few seasons they've lacked something on the right wing after Antonio Valencia obviously had that little spell with Wayne Rooney's centre forward mm. they've lacked someone that could put a ball into the box and Delo was just flashing them across goal left right and centre created three chances in the game two of them big chances so really good chances to score a goal but I liked his ability to just drive and attack space and He's a player that, again, is young, 19 years old. And that's I think that's the most exciting bit, that you've got a guy that's you know been brought through an academy in Portugal. You look at a lot of young Portuguese fullbacks, they're all very, very good. They're all technically very, very good. And Delo's another one. I think he changed the game as well as Marcus Rashford, who had another good performance. It's sort of going under the radar in, in recent weeks, Jimmy. well, isn't he, at the moment, Rashford? Mm, exactly. Yeah. He's, I think he's probably been United's best player the last three games. It's energy, it's creativity. Again, grabbed another two assists and a goal. I think I like this side of Rashford, hungry, ready to ready to sort of like be a mad dog in a way. That term keeps going round and that's what he's doing. Well, there seemed to be a bit of an attitude change to me watching United at the weekend. They didn't seem like the same team as they were in the last couple of weeks. And it's maybe been a slightly gradual change, but it really seemed evident there. First half particularly, they seemed at the races. They seemed to be closing mm. down, putting the opposition under player pressure, playing faster and playing quicker. How much of that is due? Now, here's, a, here's an analogy Here we go. Here's uh -oh. an So, last week we were talking about Paul Pogba being the virus, all mm -hmm. right? Paul Pogba <laughs> wasn't in that team, and suddenly Manchester United looked healthy. I, th I think it's an interesting one, because Paul Pogba doesn't suit a 4-2-3-1. And that is the big... That was a, the strangest thing when he was signed for Manchester United. A guy that excels in a three-man midfield or even a diamond. And Mourinho... Has consistently played a four-two-three-one in the, sort of like the back end of his career, mm. and the big thing with playing Herrera and Matic, you got two guys that can win the ball back. The pressing was there for Manchester United; they were squeezing the play. There's a spell of about ten minutes where they won the ball back three or four or five times in central midfield with Herrera winning the tackle or Matic winning the tackle. We've just not seen that uh, in a Mourinho side, and it's arguably like this team looks better without Paul Pogba and two solid players. And again, Nemanja Matic has taken a hell of a lot of criticism this season. Right, rightly so, but I thought he played really well at the weekend. I think he's slowly maybe playing himself back into form. Mm. After having an injury at the World Cup, we forget that he was injured and he's played most of the season with injury. Whether he should be playing is another question, but it's weird that United look better and going into the game at the weekend, I would be starting Ander Herrera and Nemanja Matic against Liverpool over playing maybe Paul Pogba and Fred right now because I think it suits the team. Does Lingard keep his place for you there? 100%. Very Mourinho, isn't he, Lingard? He's a, a very, good I don't mean that as negative. He's seconds. a very good player. If, if you watch what he does all over the pitch, it's, it's the work rate. Like yeah. He'll do the things that you don't expect an attacking mm. midfielder to do. Like A lot of the game, Rashford would be arguably hanging up front on the left wing with Lukaku. Lingard would be working back. Lingard would be going. Lingard would be starting the press. Lingard would be covering the distance and... You know, again, not a goal or an assist, but you take the contribution for the, the corner that they scored, a great through ball to Mata, Mata squares at Lukaku goal. 
And having Lingon, having Rashford, as well as this energy in midfield, like you're sort of saying, Jim, gives United a bit of bite back. Mm. Do you think that's enough, though, in games where you're going to get, and with respect to Fulham, a little bit more of a challenge? Liverpool, for example. But you've, you've still got four attacking players. Yeah, true. So you've still, you, you've retained the defensive balance, you've got two guys that can win the ball back, and you've got four players that can play you know, on the counter or if they're linking up together. One matter especially is just so important to this team. Without Matty United, just, they lack that spark. They lack someone that's going to link it. And again, he took his goal so well, but credit to Marcus Rashford and Lukaku. Again, this is the thing with United because they've they've been in pretty questionable form. Mm. I think now we're seeing the end of that bad patch and, and Lukaku played really well. The, the goal that Rashford created for one matter, Lukaku pulls the centre-half out of position. He opens up the space for Rashford to fly through and it was just, it was good. I talked about the virus thing, and we talked about virus and Paul Pogba being a virus on last week's show. You might remember we had a caller on called Brian who said <laughs> if look if Pogba was a virus, then uh, Jose Mourinho was what a bowler. It was a great call. You can listen Jeez. to it again on the podcast. If you find the podcast, Manchester Football Social, you can listen to that call again. But Brian's back on the phone tonight. and he, Brian, welcome back. Uh, you've set yourself a high bar to follow <laughs> for this week's call. <laughs> well... I mean, it's all, it's all changing. It's all good now. We're going to win the league. You know. the, the wheels are coming off City, you know. That's glorious. I've only got Salah. Salah's the only player. So we signed Ramos in the, in the winter transfer market. He'll sort Salah out. Okay. <laughs> Arsenal are scraping 1-0 wins against Huddersfield. What, you know, what else is there? We've just been walking. <laughs> Does it feel like there's a corner I mean, turn? I mean, obviously, there's an element of tongue-in-cheek about what you're saying, and it was just yeah. Fulham at the end of the day, but does it feel it's like with the nature of the performance, something has shifted? I, I'll be honest with you, like, I'm, I'm a really small than anything, and to be honest with you, it, like you say, it is just Fulham, but every team in the Premier League takes beating, and there's some teams towards the bottom, they're fighting for the life, so they do try a little bit harder, they might maybe a little bit more defensive, mm. but... But 100%, and this is just me being honest, we did have some key performances in that game. Delok played brilliant. Sounds I think good. he's going to end up a winger rather than, rather than at the back. Um, Rashford is unreal. Um, but uh, And this is just to hand on eye. We play like that against Liverpool. We go out with our setup. I think the railroad us. I genuinely just think the railroad us. I don't think that type of setup will, will bother them. So is Jose going to go back to the park, the bus football against Liverpool again? Is it going to be another negative after not building on its success? Well, this is what I'm stuck in, in two minds because cause obviously I, I grew up seeing United in the 90s and Fergie minded and I like to think that when we go to Liverpool we, or Liverpool go to us, we put a good show on it and, and we really take it to him. And I think part of me wants to do that but knowing that if we do that we'll probably get We'll probably ship about five goals. <laughs> but then the other side of it, I don't want to just sit back and defend because it, that would kill me as well. So it's like, it, it, it's a rock and a hard place, isn't it? It's, what do we do for the best for United? It's, it's a really tough one. I get the impression that... I get the impression that most fans, and whether it includes you, Brian, I don't know if it improves you, Dave, whether you, you just like to see United have a go and take a chance. And if you end up shipping three... It doesn't matter because you're playing the type of football that you want to see at Manchester United. That's that's kind of the, what the vibe I get. <laughs> I think the difficulty yeah. is that Liverpool are top of the Premier League. And as much as, as a United fan, I want to go out and I want to go and score 4-5 past Liverpool, even if we could grab a draw, you know, even if we... <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean this is this is the problem right now we're sitting sick for the Premier League and you've got to like question everything like that <laughs> Brian what do you think about that Brian do you think playing for a draw so Liverpool don't win the league is what we need to do <laughs> oh I think I, 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 I think this. what we need to genuinely 
fucking dilemma. <laughs> I know, yeah. I've, I've lost, it, I haven't it, slept it, for days. Like, I, like, I, I was sleepless nights over this thing, <laughs> you know, Mike? Like, a lot. Uh, I mean, it sounds stupid, but this is Liverpool. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather absolutely railroad Liverpool and get beat off City every week. I don't know why. <laughs> wow. Just, wow. Wow. That's interesting. But, um, I don't know. I just think, I, I said at the beginning of the season, I looked at the squads that have been put out, and I said at the beginning of the season, and it, and it hit, I hated saying it, but I said, I think Liverpool have got the better, the better team. Now, I don't mean squad, I mean team, as in that Jurgen Klopp buys players that he knows will do a job for him. He doesn't mm. buy players based on reputation. When he bought Van Dijk, there were eyebrows raised. When he bought uh, Milner, the, you know, when Milner was putting the team, there was eyebrows raised. He buys players and he does it tactically. He's very good like that. Mm, Whereas City seem to have a lot of eye-catching players. Like, that's why I think they lost at the, the weekend. If they didn't have anyone to grab the game by the scruff of the net, which Milner just out there, weren't they? They brought in an Aguero. Yeah, but if, if, they'd have had, if they'd have had a Milner-type player on that, that pitch, you know, I think, because David Silva's brilliant. With all due respect, Fernandinho's twice the footballer. My personal opinion. <laughs> but I think, the, I think Brian makes a big great point there. Like James Milner in these bigger games for oh, City is very, that. very useful. And I kind of agree. Yeah. It, it looked like there was a lack of fight. Chelsea's defense, though, is he really? Hang on, are we arguing that James Milner is <laughs> the man for the City team? <laughs> Brian, I think you've topped last week's call, mate. <laughs> Brian, cheers for coming on. I appreciate cheers, that, mate. Speak to you. Thanks, man. Take care, mate. 0345 Hello, Brian. Brian's great, yeah. Sign up James Milner Pep. So Brian. is the number if you want to get involved tonight. We're going to have a slight gear shift, like they do on the one show, where things change <laughs> dramatically. Because we're going to talk about quite a serious topic and something that's broken over the last 24 hours and has become the story of the weekend. Despite United winning, despite City losing, the big talking point has been about Raheem Sterling, who is the subject of re- alleged racist abuse at Chelsea when he went to collect the ball for a corner. His reaction was, to his credit, he laughed and kind of moved on. But afterwards, he was brave enough to go on social media and post about the incident, which he doesn't normally do. He said that newspapers in this country fuel racism in the ways that they portray young black footballs. And he cited two recent headlines in the papers about teammates Phil Foden and Tosin Arabibio. Arabibio and how the uh, papers had reported them buying houses recently. Do we... I mean, it's a really horrible story to be talking about because, for me, I've never, ever experienced any kind of racism or seen any kind of racism at a football match. But this is kind of a throwback to the dark days of football, Mm. and we all will agree that there is absolutely no place for it. But I think the interesting question is, how much of a role do the newspapers play in in fueling this, like Raheem Sterling says? Well, of course they do. They definitely do. And it's how, why wouldn't the, um, the biggest kind of like media outlets not have an, uh, an impact on people? It just happens throughout history and it will carry on happening that way in terms of the papers or the media of any form. They do control how people think to an extent. And if you can ask some fans of other teams why they dislike Ryan Sterling and they can't really put the finger on why other mm. than the fact that they just dislike him. And if it comes from these 20 odd headlines over the past few years to slag him off a member of breakfast or buying a house or whatever or daring to have lunch after failing to win the player of the year all just yeah. stupid stuff and it's really depressing if you're being honest Jim it's bleak because it's a direct consequence of uh, everything they've been fed for so long and it happens and 
Um, they're, they're 100% culpable. And they're, they're, I think the headlines, that uh, the difference between Foden and Adorabayo's house purchase says it all. And I think the, the worst thing it is for me is uh, people like the Daily Mail. Um, in my personal opinion, they know what they're doing. And even though I don't think maybe the people who write these articles are necessarily racist themselves, I think they play on that because it knows uh, it'll get more attention. And that, to me, is almost worse. It's callous. It's, it's coming from a place of it'll do to get clicks and that's what I can't stand about it because it takes such an important thing and puts it down to numbers for attention I hate that I think that's it I don't want to believe that anything is racist and I 100% believe the reporters and the journalists when they claim that what they're writing isn't racist but you do look and I've got some of those stories that you mentioned the headlines about Raheem Sterling when he asked for a pay rise at Liverpool the headline was don't be so greedy cop offers £20,000 but Sterling wants 50000 when he flew back from holiday on an easy jet flight Raheem Sterling earns £200,000 a week but takes £80 easy jet flight back from holiday and the one you mentioned when he dared to go and have some breakfast after not winning an award. Raheem Sterling treats himself to a spot of breakfast after missing out on being crowned Young Player of the Year. At worst, it is racist, but at best... It's an agenda it's, it, against the player. Of course it is. Of course it is. And um, I don't know how it started or where it started. And it might have literally started because it kind of started Liverpool a little bit, if we're being honest, when it was there. There was a few headlines back then. But eventually, obviously, it stuck a little bit and they started to go down on it. But for me, um, what's worse about it is that maybe someone like Ryan Sterling can be slightly protected from it. But it kind of normalises behaviour to people away from football as well. Mm. It isn't just the people of Ryan Sterling who have to deal with it. And I guess, you know, post-Brexit, and I guess, uh, given all these headlines in the papers, it's almost kind of opened a little bit of a door uh, for some people who harbour these kind of thoughts to kind of express themselves and it happens as well because the papers normalise it and because things like that uh, give me these little subtle digs that paint people like Sterling in a bad light and it, it'll happen to more and more footballers uh, but it's once again it's the people that uh, go to work every day or, or walking through the park or will be victims of uh, racist abuse and it'll happen as a result of it being normalised in the media as well so it's not just footballers it's the way it seeps in society that bothers me because it's it's awful I had a conversation with someone earlier today and they said, oh, abuse is part of the game. It's just, that's what happens. It's, you it's get different. fans that's abusing players. It's, tar- it's targeted. It's targeted by the, the tabloids or whatever you want to call that trash these days. And I think <laughs> that's one of the worst things that we've got at the moment. There's something, you know, the, the response is good. I and mean, then the response from people being being shocked and, and that's the best way to deal with this. But yeah, then at the same time is you don't buy this crap. That's the big thing. You don't buy these papers that are saying, oh, Raheem's got uh, a tattoo of a gun on him or Raheem took his mum for breakfast or Raheem turned up to work in a filthy car. That was one of the headlines. And <laughs> yeah, you're thinking, what is this? Like, the big one around the World Cup, right? The tattoo thing came out. Harry Kane was awful. Absolutely awful at the World Cup. Scores six goals, top scorer, whatever, but he was awful. Nothing. Nothing on him. Raheem Sterling is a fraud, he's a diver, he's this, he's that. And again, it's that's the normalising it in a really, really weird way where you're protecting one person in Harry Kane, but you're slamming somebody else. That's always been a bit of the culture in the tabloid. You think of what happened with David Beckham, but the stuff with Sterling is just completely level, awful. Yeah. I feel like this could be a watershed moment, actually, for the press and the media. I, I hope so, I hope so. Yeah, and I think there's suddenly a realisation that it doesn't matter what you do as a live for a living, it doesn't matter whether you're a footballer or a postman, it doesn't matter what your sexuality is, what your sex is, mm. what whatever you are you've got 
you should be able to go to work and do your job people, without being abused. Yeah. People. I mean, just imagine what some of those people have, have to go through every yeah. day. Just being scared to get on a tram to go to work or being scared to walk through any public park because of things like this. And it happens. And you hear reports of people saying after, for example, post-Brexit, it, uh, the people who are not nice people feel almost empowered to say things they wouldn't have said months earlier. And all this kind of stuff, it just feeds into this really horrible thing. And I've always had a feeling that football tends to hold a mirror to society. And what you see in the terraces tends to sometimes represent how people feel mm-hmm. and the culture and at the moment there's a slight uh, there's been a few questions about racist remarks at football games alleged ones but it's starting to rise again and I kind of agree with what Robbie Earl said in the press in terms of um, uh, it's kind of like cancer in terms of you, you can get it to go but if you don't keep an eye on it it will start to come back and it's it's depressing and these are people and hopefully Raheem Sterling's actions and his post and mm-hmm. the awareness he's raised will be part of keeping an eye on it yeah. and it will make a little bit fair of a difference so fair yeah play fair play to Raheem for standing up to that one and if you want to see some of the headlines as well and see the case for the prosecution Adam Keyworth on Twitter oh, yeah, has an excellent thread, thread. Yeah. 35 different headlines Can I say as well check out Howard Hawkins about the positives of Sterling as well okay. that's really good as well Brilliant. the other side right we'll be back in a minute on the Manchester Football Social if you want to get in touch 0345 1176 is the number and we'll talk to you next Manchester Football Social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show Manchester Football Social. This is the Manchester Football Social. Every single weeknight from six o'clock, we talk City, we talk United. If you're not listening on the radio, you can listen on the podcast. Manchester Football Social. Search that wherever you find your podcasts. And whilst you're looking for podcasts as well, let me put you in the direction of the Humans of Manchester podcast, a brand new podcast with Clint Boone from the Inspiral Carpets and off of Excess Manchester talking to some proper Mancunian legends like John Thompson, Bonehead from Oasis, Rowita from the Happy Mondays. You can get that. Search Humans of Excess Manchester wherever you get your podcasts now. But at the moment, it is all about football. I'm Jim. Got Dave O'Brien, Steve McInerney in the studio. Evening, boys. Hello. We're on the short road to the end of the show now so I thought I'd introduce something else a brand new feature that we're going to try out on a Monday yeah, a on the Manchester tune. well I've got a theme tune really? yeah, I've got a theme there you go. You asked for a wow. theme tune, you got a theme tune. Isn't that the World Cup song? It is, yeah, well spied. <laughs> uh, got Swap Needs. So it's like a radio version of collecting Panini stickers, this. Each week, the boys in the studio are going to pick a category. They can pick a got, a swap, or a need, and then pick something from their club that it either has, something they want to bring into their club, or something they want to swap from their club. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Hmm. So, Steve, you're going to go first on this one. What are you going for? Are you going got, are you going swap, or are you going need? I'm going need. Okay, what's what's your need? need, um, The Ginger Prince, Kevin De Bruyne back. I need him so much right now. (laughs) Because I think, in general, we got to the point of the season where everything's going well, and eventually, like, right, we probably do need the person who, in my opinion, was probably the best player in the league last season. So, it'd be nice to have him back, um, because we just need his, like, his talisman kind of drive, and he is very much a big game player, and a man who kind of locks the tightest of defences. And at this time of the season, the players are getting tired and uh, our kind of ideas and the energy from the early season starts to wear out a little bit we need some inspiration and um, Kevin De Bruyne is a phenomenal player and I've almost forgot how good he is because he hasn't been playing so what is the prognosis on KDB's return he's uh, he's not quite fully training yet so I think it's probably another week or two I reckon hopefully um, he'll be back next weekend it does seem unfortunate for City that they've had a string of injuries to key players 
at this stage of the season with Aguero being out with KDB being out now with David Silva picking up a knock at the weekend our first choice left back as well Mandy um, yeah but I can't complain too much we have got a, a very strong squad um, and it happens to pretty much most teams but um, I think it was always going to happen at some point uh, but you know uh, given our form and our results this season I'd be lying if I said we weren't kind of lucky you know but uh, it happens and fingers crossed they get back because we're going to need them because it's going to be tough and tiring of Christmas there is questions on that though you, you know you're looking at Mendy the Bruyne both knee injuries mm-hmm same with Gabriel Jesus in a way. Was that and that was a knee as well? I don't actually know what that was. Again, they were brought oh, yeah, back was actually, yeah. far too quickly. Don't like knee, knees, knees in professional sport take a long time to mend, and it it's one of these things the where De Bruyne was far too quick, got injured again, same injury. You're looking at that mismanagement. Obviously, Guardiola's had previous with club doctors. He went absolutely livid at one of them in in Munich. Uh, completely fell out. Massive row in a press conference. And is this starting to become a bit of a problem for cities? If they're not waiting long enough for these players to come back, then... I think with De Bruyne, we did actually wait quite a while because he was on the he was um, training for like two three weeks fully before he played, and then it was actually the other leg that got hurt. So it sounded his yeah. actual knee that was injured was all right, and then I think mean, it was just sometimes stuff happens, you know. It's got to be an element of the players taking. I mean, obviously players want to play football, but yeah. they know their own body. So whether that's a open conversation that mm. Pep's then having with players. Who knows? Go on, Dave, what's yours? Are you going for a got swap or a need? <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a need, I think. There's a need for a centre-back. Um, you know, the thing that you were kind of proposing was a swap. Obviously, Paul Pogba out of the Manchester United yeah. team, but... Which I think is probably the more likely. Any players you'd take? I, 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 this is the thing, like, you're looking around Europe, who's available, who'd want to move to Manchester United for the, the, the calibre of a player that Paul Pogba can be? Mm. You're probably going to stick with Paul Pogba in that sort of situation, you know, are you going to be getting in a you know a top talent like a you're looking maybe one of the Barca players a Madrid players? There's no one there that jumps out and, and screams you know maybe a Rafa Varane that level of centre half. But then a need I think is more you know what United need is is a centre back and that's been been the problem over this season I think is that consistency. Mourinho I think he's made more changes to his starting eleven than any other side. I think what made Ferguson's team so good was the consistent back four and United haven't had that. I think with Delo with Shaw with either Bale, Victor Lindelof, having one more in there, like a quality, quality defender, or going out there and getting delete and going youth, which is what I, that's the line I'd go down, could be a good solution to Manchester United's mm. problems. Have you now got the, um, I guess, long-term solution for Rashford on the left, you know, in terms of that is long-term yeah, solution? Yeah, no, it's an interesting one, actually, because he's, he's really come alive with Lukaku. And I think his... He's really good at, at being, in, you know, pulling, pulling wide, holding width, doing tactical instructions. But as well, he can be played in the two, like has been recent in the three-five-two, or you know, whichever variant we're playing of that. So, I think Rashford is a, is a good solution on, on, you know, the left wing. The weird thing is, obviously, you know, a lot of people people regard Anthony Martial as our best yeah. player this season. But again, it's a little bit like Leroy Sana in a way, where there's this maybe a, you know a lack of defensive work rate sometimes, which catches him out. That you need to be a top top player, you need that, and Rashford has that. And that's been the most exciting time about you know, Rashford's performances recently is he hunts the ball. Mm. And it's nice to see that for a United player where, you know, gone are the days of, of Wayne Mooney and Carlos Tevez that used to just, they would go for, I can't, yeah, you know, in terms of players player. playing against, I'd hate to play against Tevez and Rooney as a pairing. You don't know where they're going to be. As soon as you've got the ball, you're pretty much, you know, under pressure initially. They can run in behind you. They can spin. They can, you know, drop into midfield. Like how difficult that would have been to play against. But I think Rashford is a good solution on mm-hmm. the left wing. I don't think United need... I don't think they need an attacking option. There's a lot of talk that they need a right winger, but for me, not right now. So yeah, I'm going to go for a centre-half need, not swapping Paul Pogba. Do you think Jose's going to get the money for a centre-half? He said in his press conference there was no water 
for him to drink at the press conference they were saving money <laughs> if you're going for that kind of budget you're not yeah, you, know. you might get James Tompkins or someone like that but that's you limit. can't get the tap on then I don't know if you're going to bring in cool barley from yeah. Napoli are you <laughs> 90 million quid is the price that's being quoted mm. for him wow. that's a lot of money for a oh, defender he's a very very good player though he's, he's, he's awesome He's a really, really good player. Surely there has to be no risk at all for a 90 minute player. You want you want a player to come in and be just like this 100%. I guess you can't guarantee it. So Koulibaly would have a similar impact to Van Dijk at Liverpool. Pull it like that. I think watching him this season against Liverpool, watching him against PSG in the Champions League, there are question marks whether he can hit it at the top level going into this year, obviously playing for Napoli. But now the Champions League, arguably Napoli's best player. So commanding on the ball, so physical, strong. The best bit about though, he can carry it out and he's confident. He was good against us last year, actually. Yeah, he was fantastic. He was a good player. Yeah, he's a very good player. We're going to have to leave it there, boys, I'm afraid. I'm gonna, not going to get a chance to do mine. Mm. I was going to say we need more respect for goalkeepers well, you've done it, in the you Premier League. But I'm going to talk about this on the podcast. We're going to do a bit in a minute, so a little bit of uh, bonus content. If you get the podcast, we'll talk about it then, not least because I've got a great story about Mark Bosnish <laughs> <laughs> that I was going to tell. So we'll do that in a bit. Get the podcast, Manchester Football Social. You can find it online wherever you find podcasts. But thank you very much to Dave. Thank you very much to Steve, thank you very much to you guys as well for getting involved. The Football Social returns tomorrow. Ian Cheeseman is here with our Manchester City programme. One for the Blues. Back tomorrow at six o'clock on the Excess Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Right, boys. Good show today. Well done, everyone. Mm, Good stuff. This is like a post-match team talk in the dressing room. Um, I didn't get a chance to do my got swap need. So I want to do it right, now. Let's do it. Okay. So I thought we need more respect for football for, for goalkeepers. Yep. In the league, I don't think goalkeepers get enough credit What's for the job on, they do. Sorry. What's brought this on then? I just I like. I used to be a well, goalkeeper. You were goalkeepers. You know what? Same as well. I was as well as a kid actually. But goalkeepers yeah. are quite often your best player. Like in terms of the most interesting. Like you look at <laughs> someone like Fabian Bartes, who wanted to be a midfielder but was just stuck in goal. They're always characters, and they never get the credit. You, A team is not good without a goalkeeper. When you look at David De Gea at Manchester mm. United, earning £250,000 a week, yeah. and you compare it to someone like Sanchez, who's earning £500,000 a week, there's no doubt that David De Gea is a more important player to Manchester United than Sanchez. So why aren't they recognised as such? And why don't you get superstar goalkeepers? I think, we, I think we're starting to. I think yeah, Manuel Neuer set the... Set the t- tone for that being a you know really ballsy goalkeeper that would play out, would command things. That I think the best thing about Neuer is how he's so good off his line. He makes himself and he makes those big one v one saves, but he has that agility as well. And I think we'll start to get there. I think with Edison, mm. with Allison, as well as David de Gea at Manchester United, we're starting to see that. Like Arsenal, a great example. They've massively improved with Burnt Leno in yeah. the side instead of Czech. And as well as there's been two seventy million plus transfers for keepers this summer, you know. So obviously, as well, that, yeah. So that that's starting to see. But and to be honest, on that whole respect thing as well. Do you know what? I've never had a time as a, as a, a football fan where I kind of laugh out loud at something the keeper does every week and kind of enjoy. Like Edison now brings me entertainment in the way that Aguero does, and that's I, crazy. I bet you laughed out loud at David James when he was at City every uh, now and again. Oh, David James, <laughs> what, what a strange man he is. But um, he <laughs> wasn't all right. He was all right at times. But yeah, Edison, he's just a fun keeper to watch, and it's weird that I'm entertained by a keeper. Uh, but 
but yeah, I agree. Bring on more respect for goalkeepers. You it? never see fans wearing goalkeeper shirts either, do you? You don't. No one ever buys replica Apart goalkeeper shirts. Apart from the slightly strange kids like ourselves when we were younger, <laughs> yeah. essentially, yeah. But you do get like, they're like hipster shirts these days. You always see a goalkeeper jerseys are usually pretty cool. Mm. Like you yeah. could do a lot of they're things They're always with them. good shirts. Yeah, they're always mm. good shirts. So who was your favourite keeper? If you're going back in the annals of time, because I like Barthez at United. Yeah. I did like David James at City. I think I just like goalkeepers that wanted to play out, a little bit erratic. Pitch, yeah. So who are your favourites? I was um, growing up when Nicky Weaver was making himself a hero. Uh, so mm. I absolutely love Weaves. Um, in general, uh, Joe Hart, I can't not love him, even though he had his limitations towards the end of his career. But he was just absolutely huge for Manchester City when we started to become a, you know, a title-challenging club. He's just obviously as well. He was, he's a bit gobby, Joe Hart, but he did care. And that kind of passion and that infamous celebration with Gal Clichy after yeah. he won the league, like that, that, is, that image is burned onto the retinas of every Man City fan's eyes. Like We can't help but see that when we think of that moment. So Joe Hart, um, for a long time, he was a part of that spine with the company and Yaya and Silva and Aguero. He was so important. Uh, so... Joe Hart, I will always love him. And Edison's fun. He's not my favourite yet, but Joe Hart probably is up there. Got potential. Yeah. Dave? Uh, Edwin van der Sar. I think he, he fits in my sort of time frame as a United fan, being yeah. from, you know, 2008 Champions League winners. That He was my keeper. And Schmeichel gets, uh, you know, credit for being a fantastic keeper. And he was brilliant. But a different keeper. Edwin van der Sar, why I think he was a better keeper was because he didn't have to make those type of last-ditch saves that much because his positioning was that good. He was a real thinking goalkeeper, really good with his feet. A lot of the saves that you see David De Gea make is he's sort of like dealing with chaos or mm. something's happened that's gone wrong. Right. Seems yeah. like Edwin van der Sar <laughs> would make a save from a free kick that's going in the opposite corner, but would just be in a position where it looked comfortable. Right, and I think that comfort, you know, he was being able to be, as well. yeah, it's, it's like an incredible keeper that had that level that was played behind a yeah. really good United defense, but. When he needed to be switched on, that's the difference for me between he seemed always good keepers calm and bad. Van der Sar, didn't he? He never did the really angry nice thing guy, when he man. makes a save. Yeah, Isn't just, he in coach now? Is he director he's of football? A, yeah, somewhere? he's at Ajax in their, yeah. their hierarchy, and he deserves it. And that's my he's my favourite keeper okay. of all time. I like David De Gea. David De Gea is an insane goalkeeper. Joe, you know he was great. Uh, Jens Lehmann. Now he was fun. Mm. I loved Jens Lehmann just because he was an absolute mental person. I won't say the word I was going to say there, but yeah, he, he was <laughs> he's crazy. Yeah. He was crazy, but good fun. Right, I promise you a Mark Bosnich story, so well, let's finish on the Mark Bosnich story. Are you ready for a big name drop, first off? <laughs> because uh, this was told to me by Liam Frey from the Cortinas, who used to be a ball boy at Manchester United. And he said, Mark Bosnich, I mean, we all know Mark Bosnich wasn't the most, he, he wasn't your archetypal professional footballer, was he? <laughs> <laughs> politely. He, he, he liked living life to excess, and one of his weaknesses was Jaffa Cakes. <laughs> and right. so after each training session where they had or it must have been after games the ball boys were there he'd go round to the ball boys dressing room and he'd knock on the door yeah you're right, lads. Got any, uh, got any bickies there? <laughs> you got wow. any bickies? So he'd tap up the ball boys at Manchester United for Jaffa Cakes after you a game. You couldn't do that in 2018. <laughs> no, you couldn't. So there we go. Thank you very much for joining us for the podcast. Make sure you have subscribed to this channel and you get gold like that Mark Bosnich story. We might not be able to top that again, but we might do. Uh, so these boys will be back next Monday. Dave will be here on Friday for the Friday show, but make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. That is the easy option, and we'll see you soon. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.